looking at Acts chapter 8, we're going to come across two interesting people. We're going to look at Philip, and we're going to look at a fellow named Simon. Now, the stories in Acts chapter 8 and the, and the book of Acts, as you know, are written by a fellow named Luke. Luke, the doctor from Antioch. Now, let's just, I, I just want to put a little background into this before we read through the passage. So, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 8. It's page 916 in the Black Bibles. Uh, there in the chairs. If you want to turn to that, we're going to read that momentarily. But I just want to put together some of the context for this. Luke, Luke, who was a doctor from Antioch, was a God seeker. And in seeking after God, he realized that the promises of God found and practiced by the Jews were true. And so he became one who followed God through Judaism. But then he realized that there was a bit of a hollowness there. And it wasn't until he found Jesus in fulfillment to all that was said in the, in the law that he recognized what a relationship with God could be all about. And so he writes the Gospel of Luke and he writes the book of Acts to a specific person and to us generally so that we can understand how faith works, how we incorporate faith into our life, the reality of who Jesus is, who Jesus said he is, and who others say he is, the humanity of Christ, the deity of Christ, as described for us through the book of Luke. And then how the people responded to the leading of God and the prompting of the Holy Spirit in allowing others to realize that this story is more than simply Greek mythology. This is real. This is the real thing. The real deal. And so we come to another person named Philip who similarly, like Luke, is a God-seeker, but he's Greek. And we'll find out a little more about him in a little bit. But if you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 8. And we're going to start at chapter 8, verse 4, and read through the account of Philip with Simon. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because of, for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on them, any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus." Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. 
But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Philip was a God-seeker. As a Greek, growing up in the culture where Greek mythology was normal and everyday practice, he wanted something more. And finding the teachings of of God through the Jews, he realized here was something of substance. God was identified as the God all-powerful, the God who is with us, the God the righteous one, the God the redeemer, the God who cared for his people, a chosen people. And Philip, upon hearing these words and realizing that he was looking for something more, sought out this God. And likely was in Jerusalem at the time when Christ was there. Possibly even seeing Christ come in that triumphal entry when the crowds hailed him as their coming Messiah, the coming King. Probably he was with the crowds as they also called out a week later for his death. Likely, he heard Peter in chapter 2 explain to the people all the prophecies of Joel and how Christ came in fulfillment of these prophecies, the one they had crucified coming to forgive their sins and bring them life. And it's likely that at that time, with the 3,000, he gave his heart to Jesus. Soon it became evident that not only was Philip a God-seeker, a God-believer, one who was steeped in the traditions and teachings of the, of the Hebrew law as he was seeking after God. But he was also a person with a sincere heart. In, in Acts chapter 6, suddenly a problem arose. The people were gathered together, they were worshiping together, they were caring for the needs of one another, and it came to the notice of the apostles that there seemed to be a split in the camp. Realize, keep in the back of your mind, that all of these people had, had gravitated towards Judaism. You see, in, in chapter 2, we see that, that the, uh, there was a huge gathering, and the people said, how come these people are speaking in our language? Are they simply drunk? And Peter goes on to explain, no, this isn't, you're, they're not drunk. This is by the power of God. And so there are people gathered from around the world, attracted to Judaism, attracted to God through the practice of the law. But finding that hollow and finding only in Jesus Christ the fulfillment of the law, they gave their hearts to him, to Christ, for a personal relationship with God. And then in verse, uh, or in chapter 6, a problem arose. Those who were native believers and those who were transplanted believers weren't receiving the same kind of care. And so they brought this to the apostles' attention. And he said, we're having a bit of a problem here. We're not managing our resources sufficiently to such a degree that everyone is receiving the care that they need and deserve. And it seems that there's a line between those who are native 
and those who are transplanted. And this doesn't seem right. So what did the apostles say? We need to give ourselves to the ministry of the word, to prayer, to proclaiming the news of Jesus Christ. And we need to pick out seven godly people filled with the Spirit of God who can take on the ministry of caring for the needs of these, our people. Last week we heard about Stephen and how his testimony resulted in his demise. And in this group of seven, we find Philip. Interestingly, that when the problem arose to the disciples, to the apostles, that there was a problem between native-born and non-native-born, the seven chosen were non-native, given the responsibility to equally care for the native and the non-native. And never again do we find a problem listed for us of inequality. Then in chapter 8, we're introduced to Philip. Confirmed as a leader in the church, and as the persecution swept down upon the church, and the persecution is instigated and initiated by Saul, and as as the persecution sweeps upon the church, it seems that everyone except some of the apostles left the city. Everyone got out of Dodge. It wasn't safe. And Philip went to Samaria. And as he was going to Samaria, he began to share with them the things that were happening in his life. Why he was there. A transplanted Greek who had accepted Judaism and found it to be not everything he was hoping for to find True life in Christ. Coming to Samaria, a group of people who had been rejected because they were truly not native. They couldn't trace their lineage back down to the right people. They were Jewish in part, but not all the way. And they too felt alienated. They too felt apart and yet wanted to come and worship God. In fact, the woman at the well says, you say that we need to worship on that hill. Jesus says, no, you must worship in spirit and in truth. And so now, Philip comes to these people, and he astounds them with his message. He confronts them with the reality of Jesus Christ and the power of God is upon him to heal people and to, and to uh, release people from the sphere of demonic depression and oppression. And throughout his testimony and through his sharing, people respond. And they say, yes, this is true. This is real. This is not simply a, a show. But this is life. And I want it. And so in wanting it, they demonstrated that they were going to put off all the things in their past life that they had been attracted to. And they were going to put on Christ and what it meant to follow Christ. And so they were baptized. 
And so in that symbolic reference of going underneath the water, they said, I am no longer the person I once was. I am now a new person, alive in Jesus Christ. Even Simon. Now Simon was a magician. And for a long time, he had astounded the crowd. He had wowed people with his tricks. And it's likely that it was, simply, it was more than simply sleight of hand. It's likely that he had, had some form of spiritual connection that was making him and, and allowing him to do things that were what, what we, we would term supernatural. And he was wowing the people to such a degree that the people were identifying him and saying, he is a great power from God. And yet when he sees Philip, and when he hears Philip, and he recognizes the true power that Philip has, he was amazed. And in his amazement, he gives his life to the God Philip proclaims. And he too was baptized. And he too was changed. And then along came Peter and John. Now this is an interesting story in that it refers to the Holy Spirit coming upon their praying and upon their laying on of hands. And it's likely that as in other parts that that the Spirit of God is introduced to a, a group of people so as to distinguish them as being equal to all. Not as a continual pattern, but as recognizing that when the Spirit of God is presented and when salvation comes, it's free for all. And they come, Peter and John come, they pray. The Jewish people coming to the Samaritans. Coming to a land that they would never cross willingly. Coming to a people they would never associate with on on a free basis. And yet here they are. Surrounded by the Samaritans. Surrounded in a hostile environment. Obviously Jewish. Praying that they would too become like them. Not Jewish but better, Christ-like. And in the laying on of hands and in the receiving of the Holy Spirit, the Samaritans receive equal status as the Jews, equal status as the Greeks, equal status with everyone who has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, including the Romans. All equal. Simon was so caught up in this transformation, so overwhelmed with what was going on around him, that he reverted back to his former life habit. I want to do this. I want to do what you guys do. And, and, and here, I've got some money for you. If you, if you just, just give me the power. I want to be like you guys. And Peter rebukes him and say, may your money perish with you and the evil intents of your heart. Simon's response is very revealing. That's not my intent. My heart's not like that. I don't want any part of that. Pray for me. Help me become the new person I want to be. Help me to be different. The power of a personal testimony. I believe that God brings people into our lives to draw so that we have the opportunity in in being a part of their life 
to draw them one step closer to God. God's in the work of transforming lives all around us. And he gives us the opportunity to simply speak a word or to do an action or to engage in a relationship so as to, to see before our very eyes someone taking one step closer to Christ and a positive eternity with, with him forever in, in heaven. What an opportunity we have. And we have this chance of just walking along and speaking naturally of the things that God is doing in our life and seeing lives changed all around us. He brings people together with similar interests, with passions and personalities, so that we open up and we befriend and we, and, and we speak out the things of God. And in speaking out, the power of the Word of God changes a life. I think from this story that we have in Acts chapter 4, we find for us four key components to the power of a transformed life. Four components that are wrapped up within, this, within our testimony that allows us to see God in action. The first point is this. In verse 5, Philip proclaimed to them Christ. In going, he talked. There was a willingness to go and to speak. First point, just a willingness. You see, Philip could have gone through Samaria. He was kicked out of Jerusalem. And he could have been thinking in his mind, you know, I've got to get to someplace safe. I've got to get to someplace where there's going to be like-minded people like me. And I've got to get someplace where, where I can sort of set up shop and I can do stuff. And so, oh, I've got to get through Samaria. Okay, well, here we go. <laughs> but there was a willingness to pause and stop. And talk and share. Romans chapter 10 tells us this, this incredible account. How beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim the gospel. Just showing up. Just being there. Just getting involved. Just getting, uh, befriending people. Not for the sake of of a salvation project. Oh, I hate that. You know, when somebody wants to be my friend because I know they want something from me? Ooh. I mean, people catch on. You're my friend because you go to church. Okay, when are you going to give me the track? No, just being friends. Just being friends for the sake of being friends so that God can do what God wants to do and that is confirm in His heart, in their heart, His love for them. Conversations will happen. Just being there. Just showing up. Second part in verse 6 to 8. Philip was powerful in word and in deed so that the whole city rejoiced. Note that Simon at one time was called a, a big deal. He was it. He was called the power from God. And when he saw what Philip was doing, his eyes opened up and said, Aha! A fellow big wheel. And then he soon realized that there was more than that to who Philip was. God uses the things that we are passionate about, the interests that we have, in order for us to, to, to associate with other people and 
and begin like-minded talks. What are you interested in? Is it nature? Is it walking? Is it sports? Is it, you know, building stuff with your hands? What are the things that, that really get you fired up? Uh, it, it's been a while. I don't, I don't know if you've, if you've seen a nice motorcycle outside. That's mine. <laughs> it's been, I, you know, it's been a while, but I, I like driving. And, it, and, it, and it's been a while since I, that I've actually remembered that. But as a kid, you know, I like driving the tractor. And, and, and uh, uh, you know, you got four gears that you have to work about and the hydraulics and everything. I, and swathers are cool. <laughs> 24 feet of instant death. <laughs> They're great. And combines just get me revved up. Oh, I love those things. And now I went, I went, we were in Alberta. I was really particularly keen because they were starting their field work. And now they've got John Deere's the sizes, you know, of small houses on wheels. And you no longer drive them. You operate them. Really, true. You no longer drive the new tractors. You simply operate them. You sit inside, you program the computer, the GPS takes over, you sit there. If a red light comes up, you press the stop button and call the shop. How boring is that? I mean, I love driving. I love speed. And, and I know how fast you go at 7,000 RPMs in third gear. <laughs> I've got six gears. I haven't quite made it up to all six of them yet in 7,000 RPMs. But I'm not going to because my wife is here. I love driving. And so if, if, you are, if you've got a bike and you like driving, we're having a bike club uh, riding Christian bike club Wednesday 6.30 up at the mall we're going to start meet us join us we'll have a devotional we'll have fun but, but what do you like? I mean what, what are the things that, that get you excited and, and allow you to engage with other people is it sports is it hunting I mean you know my son where's, I was told him I wasn't going to tell him a, sto- a story about him but I am is he here? oh there he is yeah great and my son and his buddies, and I can tell them because they were out hunting this morning, they like hunting. That's awesome. And fishing and all this great stuff. Well, there's, there's people in our community who like the same thing. Well, why not get together? You know, Jerry Phillips is the president of our local fish and game, and he wants people, Christians, to come and join with him and, and to just hang out. What about the, the, the local uh, horticulture club? I couldn't tell a weed if it hit me. You know, I'd, what, but somebody can. I mean, get together and talk about rhododendrons and Jesus. But, but just do it. Interests that you have, that you come together and, and, and you simply talk because what's going to happen? The promises of God are going to be fulfilled. Look, this is, this is kind of my, uh, uh, my resume verse. 1 Corinthians. God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being may boast in the presence of God. Well, there you go. 
I mean, how incredibly ridiculous would it seem that the power of God could transform lives based on a conversation started around a motorcycle, around a, a shooting event up at, the, up at the range, at the shop where you're you know, picking out a, a chrysanthemum. I mean, how incredibly crazy that God would use these foolish engagements to bring eternity into the lives of somebody. Every person, I believe, has an eternity hole in their heart. Seeking after eternity, and they're just wanting someone that they can identify with, that they can talk to, that they can share with, that can be real to them, and talk to them about God. Philip did. He sought God through, through the law. He sought God through other religions, and he found those empty. He sought it through the law, through Judaism, and he didn't find it that it was fitting totally. He even traveled all the way to Jerusalem to partake in the, in the pilgrimage that was sacred to all Jews. And it wasn't until he heard about Jesus Christ that he found this is true. The Samaritans, just living down the road from Jerusalem, said, well, we can't be like you guys because you won't let us. But this is true. The message of Jesus. Being willing, point number one. Two, is just using the things that that are our interests to start building relationship. Point three, authentic. Verse 12 and 13. Having an authentic faith. It comes with our authentic testimony. You know, you just tell your story. You know, when I was in, I was in Bible school and, and one of the chagrinning comments that was often shared in Bible school was, well, I don't have a testimony. I grew up in a Christian home and I don't have a testimony. You know, I didn't do anything really stupid. And, I, you know, I didn't come from a life of, you know, debauchery, gambling and drugs and stuff. I'm just, a, you know, a Christian. Well, what a powerful testimony. You know, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a Mennonite home. And Mennonite and Christians sometimes aren't the same, but they were in ours. And I, and I grew up in this home where, where you know what? I was, I was loved the best that my parents could do it. And, and yeah, of course, we can always blame our parents for stuff that they didn't do right. I mean, what a cop-out. But yeah, you know, they did what they could, right? And they shared with me Jesus Christ the best that they could. And, and I thought, you know, this is something that, that I find really exciting and appealing. And so I gave myself to, to studying more and to, to following Jesus and what he would call me to do. And he got me going into camps and, and working with kids in camps. And he got me helping out and my pastor and, and uh, you know, an 18-year-old kid showing up with my pastor to a guy who was dying of cancer. And he says, now you pray for him. And he showed me the good, the bad, and the ugly of what it meant to be in ministry. And, and somehow God said, now I want you to try it for a while. And, I, and, and then 
it, it, the grace of God. And what about your story? I mean, what, what are the things that you can rely upon and say, you know, it's because of God that I'm here. You, don't grow, you grow up in a Christian home and, and okay, I didn't try this stuff, but, you know, I, ex- I experienced some, some acceptance. And I look at my friends and, you know, some of them are in homes where things are falling apart and they're not accepted and they're not loved and, and no matter what they do, they're just being blasted at. And I'm, 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 yeah, I'm accepted and yeah, my parents screw up sometimes. But, you know, for the most part, eight out of ten times, Things are go okay. And, and, and our story becomes the thing that, that we begin to see God working inside of us and around us and through us. And we share the normal life of our story and, and faith and what God is teaching us through Scripture. And we, and we read through the Scripture and we say, yeah, you know, God, what do you, what do you want to say to me today? You know, I was reading through the Scripture and and as, as coming to this section and, and, and the words that jumped out to me just this past week were, stand firm. Stand firm. And what, are the, what are the scriptures that jump out to you when you read through the scriptures? Pray without ceasing. Encourage one another daily. And this becomes your story. And people simply want us to speak to them the authentic truth of our story. Not something that we have to make up. Not something that we have to connive about and say, ooh. You know, we worry about questions that nobody has. Will we have the right answer? And simply sharing the things that we have. And if they have a question that we don't know about, it says, okay, well, I'll go talk to Gerald. He won't know either, but maybe he can, you know, show me a book, right? I mean, we worry so much about the, about the things somebody might say that we don't simply take the opportunity to say the things that we can say. But Philip did. He told his story. He, he, he told him, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving Jerusalem. You know, okay, well, I'd leave Jerusalem too. I don't like the place. No, this is why I'm leaving Jerusalem. You see, my friend Stephen was killed. Ooh. Why was he killed? Well, this is what he said. And this is what we believe. And this is what's real for us. Wow. And fourth, verse 24, I think what happens in a personal testimony, when we share our personal testimony Simon acknowledged his mistake and he, shot, he sought restoration and, and with God. When we tell our story authentically and we, and we share of ourselves and the things of God, what's happening in our lives and through our lives, ego has nothing to do with it. It's not, it's not because of me that someone's life is going to be transformed. Yeah, God might use my story. He might use me to have the opportunity to have a conversation with somebody because of the things that we're both interested in and, and we get talking and, and somebody shares something that's happening in their life and I says, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you. And, and tell me more of what's going on. But God gets the glory because God is at work 
in this person's life as he's at work in my life. Ego gets dropped off at the door. So for the coming week, as you think about entering into your week, and as you think about the opportunities that you will have to meet with people, simply going to where people are at, simply uh, allowing the things that, that empower and excite you to be used to, to engage in conversations with other people, just telling your story, just being authentic, just being real, not being religious. And then acknowledging at times that, you know what, it's just God. It's not me. Just God. And as you think about your coming week, I I didn't have this down in my notes, but I I just think we need to do this. We need to pray for one another. I really think so. I think that, you know, we're thinking about the coming week and we're thinking about sharing and talking and about being authentic. And, and chances are really good that there's some people in here who've got somebody on their heart and mind right now. And you're thinking, you know what? I've got somebody in mind that, Lord willing, I'm just going to, you know, just... Help them come one step closer to Jesus by just sharing a bit of my story. And I'm, and I'm going to need some, some God-given courage to do that. And I'm going to need some God-given wisdom to do that. And, and, and I'm just going to invite you to pray with me for that right now. And if, and if there's somebody on your heart right now in that category. And I'm going to ask you to do two really, really vulnerable things tonight, okay? The first vulnerable thing I'm going to ask you to do is when we pray, to close your eyes. All right? And then the second vulnerable thing I'm going to ask you to do is, is if God is laying somebody on your heart that, that you want to, uh, that you think that God wants you to talk or engage or do something with in the coming week, and you're just saying, yeah, I think so. I just want you to acknowledge that before God. Just, you know, not, I mean, not for my credit. I'm not here counting hands or anything like that. Just acknowledge it before God and saying, yeah, that's, that's me. I stand right there or I sit right there, God. All right? And I need that type of prayer. Because what we're going to do after these two moments of vulnerability is we're going to just pray for one another. And I'm going to lead in prayer and I'm going to have some time of silence And then you just pray for the people around you or pray for yourself. And then we're going to close in prayer. And then the team is going to to lead us in a song. All right? Are we good with that? All right. So let's pray together. I'm going to invite you to come. Find a comfortable spot. Close your eyes. Lord Jesus, we just are in your presence. And and I just uh, really thank you that you give us your word. And in your word, you promise us your wisdom. That we can call on you for wisdom and you give that. And we can call on you for, for strength and you give that. And we can call on you for power and you give that. And I, and I thank you that, that your word is true. And in your word we see the stories of lives changed. And, 
and our lives are changed and, and there are people that we want to see you work in a mighty way and, and for their lives to get changed as well, Lord. So I'm just going to invite you now, if there's somebody on your heart that you'd like that to happen, to just indicate that before God.